Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast with the great Ray Ferraro from TSN. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Get it on uh, Stitcher app. Get it on pulphockey.com. And uh, we thank everybody for listening. Downloads are going well, and uh, we're always ranked in the top five on iTunes. Appreciate that. And it's not because of me. It's because of this guy on the phone. Uh, 898 points in 1,258 games, 18 years in the NHL. Man scored over 100 goals in junior and did not get invited to the junior uh, team for the world championships. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? Oh, hell, I can't even remember that <laughs> that year anymore, so I'm going to say that that's in the past, the not getting invited, but it's probably not. It, <laughs> it, it's amazing. I, I really, I'd like to know who's in charge of that. I really would. So. Yeah, I, I think there was a time when I really wanted to know, and now I'm like, oh, God, we're all... <laughs> We better be past that, man. Right. Uh, all right, Ray. Well, thanks for coming on and appreciate it. Two under, the best men's underwear out there. Uh, use the code Ferraro20 to save at twounder.com. T, the number two, UNDR. Uh, a lot of NHLers run it, and uh, so should you. So thanks, uh, thanks to those guys, and thanks again for people listening. Don't forget, review us if you can. Uh, uh, James Duffy's got a podcast. Bob McKenzie's got a podcast. And, and Ray, you've, we've got this podcast going. So those guys. Yeah, well, whatever they do. Right. Whoever they are, do they? Do I even? Oh, those are the guys I'll yeah. be sitting with for twelve hours <laughs> on Wednesday at Trade Center. Um, Duffy on the right, Mackenzie on the left. Now, for uh, before we get to that, I do want to talk about that. We had another trade today this morning. Bob McKenzie's reporting it, which I think is going to be pretty solid. And we had a bunch of trades happen. And I want to get to Trade Center, but first, I for years, Ray, my wife and I flew all around watching the Leafs, my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs, and. Uh, I mean, I went to Madison Square Garden, got on a plane the next day, flew to Pittsburgh, got bench, got seats behind the bench. They lost eight to one um, to the Penguins. I went to Phoenix. They were down four nothing after ten minutes in the first period. My point being, I spent so much money following the Leafs, and they they mostly get blown out every time my wife and I go, and it, it sucks. And so the last year or so, I've been like, okay, I'm done. They're rebuilding. I'm not spending the money. I watch the games, but I'm not going to fly and go see these guys anymore. It doesn't work out. But now I'm ready. Austin Matthews is here. The rebuild is on. The cup is coming home soon. But I got to go to Toronto this weekend for a supercross race for my real job, which is great. I get to go to Toronto. They're Ex- not there. Except the Leafs are out here. Yeah, I live in Vegas, of course. The Leafs are, are on, the, on the West Coast trip. So, damn it. I'll be yeah, in Toronto. Bad break. But you know what? <laughs> there is... There might not be three or four teams that are more fun to watch than the Leafs this year. And I and I think that's really so incredible given where the last eighteen months at least have been. I mean they were they were dreadful to watch. Yes. Right. And and even before last year when you said, Okay, that they're trying to run this thing right to the bottom so they can 
you know, kind of rebuild everything that they want, like from their scouting staff to the coaches, which mm-hmm. was Babcock and Jim Hiller and DJ Smith that were brought in. Um, the way the way they view being a Toronto Maple Leaf, they wanted to change all that. So last year, I think everybody was pretty okay. And you know, we do overdrive our radio show in Toronto, and we constantly said, "Man, this is the happiest thirtieth place team <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen," because you could see that. At least they were regenerating themselves as a, I hate this word, but as a brand. The the Leafs were going to be something different. Nobody knew exactly what they were going to be, but they were going to be different. And then they win the lottery, and they get Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner turns out to be so far ahead of where 99% of the people thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm convinced the only people thought Marner was going to be this good this year were Marner and his dad. Yeah, his parents, right. Exactly. You know, because yeah. it's like, who would think this? So now they've got those two. They've got Nylander. Um, they're, you know, they bring in Frederick Anderson to give them some stability and goal. But the team attacks. They're, they score lots. You know, they don't defend great yet, but that that's the next phase of their development. But, man, they're fun to watch. And so when you were flying around to those cities, what yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about mm-hmm. it, you were going in the wrong year. Like, now's <laughs> the time to go watch them. Yes. And there's not, there's not five teams in the league more fun than them. There are teams that are better, yeah. but not more fun. Yep. And they're, they're well on their way here to, um, to being a team that you have to be concerned about. I felt like doing a one of those MasterCard commercials because uh, co- combined cost of a trip to Madison Square Garden and Times Square Hotel, and then flying to Pittsburgh the next day and rental cars and hotels and seats behind the bench, combined score combined price was about three grand, and they got blown out. Uh, combined score um, thirteen to two over two nights. Um, yeah, you didn't get your cash worth. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, unless you went for a good meal and stuff and enjoyed right, New York, I, right. you know that wasn't it. Yeah, it was. But, no, yeah. So, but see. And so then today, you know, you referenced the, uh, the Bob McKenzie report, which, mm-hmm. by the way, not just because I work with Bob, but also because I work with Bob. If Bob says anything, I take it to the bank. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's done. It's finished. I don't know how he does it, but it's done. So they're going to acquire Brian Boyle from Tampa Bay. Yes. And so now, unless they make another deal, you're looking at a team all of a sudden that has – Matthews, Kadri, Bozak, and Boyle in the middle of the ice. Unless at times they move Boyle over to left wing, uh, where he's played in the past. Yeah, hard Man, to that's see. That's a really good center position. Hard to see Boyle. He's not the guy he once was, but hard to see him on a fourth line. I think, in my opinion. But but okay, Babcock. But so who are you, yeah. you going to ch- who are you going to change? No, you put him on the wing. Yeah, you put yeah, him on the that's wing. That's my point. Yeah. So where are you going to make a change? Are you going to take? 15-goal scorer Connor Brown out of his spot? Because it's not going to be Komarov. It's not going to be Nylander. Yeah. It's not going to be Van Riemsdyk. Okay. It's not going to be Hyman. See, once again, like, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. you run out of places. Yeah. Uh, Hyman can... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on Hyman. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you, I know you're a Leaf fan. Yep. Zach Hyman is like Mike Babcock's son. <laughs> he is not he's, going anywhere. Not, Babcock right, loves him. right. He does the grunt shovel work for mm-hmm. for that Matthews line. Yep. He's playing there. That's where he's playing. And so Brian Boyle, to me, is a going to be a bit of a versatility uh, addition for them. Mm-hmm. He certainly will be their 
their fourth line center um, and kill penalties and take draws. Like they'll use him for that for sure. He will. Um, he'll make that fourth line better to start with. Secondarily, he will. Um, he will give them the ability if. Say Brown's having a tough night. They could move Komarov from left to right side. Boyle could go on the left side. Mm-hmm. Like he'll give them some options in their lineup, and coaches love the ability to to move on the fly. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, uh, what do you think? And again, it's not official, but McKenzie is official. Um, this goes into our next segment. Like, what are they going to pay for Boyle? Do you think? And talking about these trades that have happened, Ray, that is really going to screw over your TSN Trade Center on Wednesday. By the way, um, yeah, that's not that's not going to be fun. I mean, the, you know, the speculation of what the you know what the um, what the pay will be, um, you know, is it gets real difficult. I mean, it, it's either a, it's either a higher draft pick, like a second round pick, yeah. or it's going to be a third and a prospect. And the Leafs have plenty of forwards that they could move in a deal like this that Tampa might be interested in. But it's not, you know, it's not going to be anybody off their roster for in in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And he's he's a UFA, correct? Right. 2 million bucks uh, he yeah. so I think it costs uh um uh about 450 grand for Toronto for the rest of the year prorated mm-hmm. and then um and then he's gone in the end of the year. So I mean they could sign him in the off season but um you know that that might depend on what else happens around the roster. Do they move a Bozak or a Van Riemsdyk in the summer? Do they you know who who knows what yeah. the future is, but right now this is something kind of cool for Leaf fans because it's today. You know, it's for today, it's yeah. for this year. It's for yep. trying to make the playoffs yeah. this year. I'm surprised. It's kind of cool because, man, 18 months ago, this was, not, this was not a deal that anyone would think about. I'm surprised they did it, to be honest. I really thought they'd stand pat, you know, but they want to push in, and that's great. That's awesome. It's, it's, they've kind of blown those games in hand on Boston that they had um, right now. But, yeah, this is a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, by the way, speaking of Toronto Maple Leafs, we will have former Toronto Maple Leaf slash Winnipeg Jet. Eddie O on the show. Eddie Olchuk, uh, great guy. Calls he's the lead color analyst for uh, CSN on Chicago, and uh, so we'll have him. Eddie O on. Yeah, huh? awesome, awesome teammate. Great guy. Loves his horses. Oh, does he? Ever. I think loves his horses as much as he loves hockey. Well, when I and did, now he works NBC horse racing, NBC, yeah. <laughs> NBC hockey's. It's a good thing for those horses. Edzo's not getting on them. Talk about. <laughs> Hey, talk about something that I do not understand as horse racing, or don't just don't understand the whole thing. But I respect his passion for it. That's for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, he tried to explain it to me one time, and right. he might as well have, you know, uh, I don't know. All right, so Chinese. Uh, Martin Hansel uh, goes from the Coyotes to the Wild for a first and a second. Uh, Patrick Eves go f- goes for a second. That I, I read that it can be a first with some makeable conditions. Um, Ron Hainsey goes for a second, though, and we'll find out what Brian Boyle will go for. But to me, Ray, those are all guys that I'm surprised at that at that price. I really am. They're, they're UFAs, and I guess that maybe shows you the quality of the 17 draft. I don't know, but early thoughts on these prices. Are, am I right? Are they high? They're high, but I think if you look at the teams that made the acquisitions, they're taking a swing. They think they can win. Mm-hmm. And if your window is open in the cap world, if you think that you can be a real legitimate contender um, in a particular season, I think you make an, an aggressive move. 
There are times to hold your cards and not mortgage a bit of the future, and there are times that, that you go in. I mean, Minnesota's five points behind Washington for the most, uh, the most points mm-hmm. in the league. Yeah. There's nobody in the Western Conference that you can say to me is way better than Minnesota. They also have a boatload of young prospects that we saw at the World Junior Tournament, um, all, all of them forwards for the most part. Uh, Joel Eriksson Eck is a, is a centerman. He played nine games this year earlier uh, in the year for Minnesota. Um, they have Kirill Kaprizov, who mm-hmm. was uh, the Russian player who was on the all-star team at the World Juniors, was a, was a terrific player. Yeah, he... Jordan Greenway is this absolute mountain of a kid, um, a second-round pick, uh, played for the United States. And Luke Cunnan, who's the captain at the um, uh, University of Wisconsin, um, and he's a, one of their first-round picks. So they have four forwards that aren't that far away from competing for NHL jobs. And so that probably gives them the comfort to trade away a first-round pick this year in, in Minnesota and say, okay, that's okay because we've got these guys that are coming in um, to help when the older guys' contracts expire. Do you, Whether um, it be Hansel yeah. or Jason Palmonville or Eric Stahl, these guys, in theory, will slide in. And if you're Pittsburgh, man, you're right into the, you know, right into the garden spot for Malkin and Crosby and Latang. Like, yep. You know, they're banged up on the blue line. They know Ron Hainsey, and they're, they're in now. I mean, they'll deal with the, yeah. with the issues right. further down right, the road. Right, right, but right. what will also come further down the road for Pittsburgh is if they compete again and they have a chance to win again, eventually they're going to have to replenish these draft picks that they are losing. And so the players that are now middle-aged players will be older players by the time the – the window closes a bit in Pittsburgh. So they'll move those players to whoever is a contender at that time. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say, Hainsey, they know him. You mean Jim Rutherford, GM of Pittsburgh, knows him from the time at, Car- at Carolina. Because Hainsey, right. Hainsey never played there, I don't think, before. No, not in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay, yeah. Jim Rutherford, Jim knows, Rutherford him. knows him, right. Got it. Um, by the way, the, uh, the trade for, um, for Brian Boyle is uh, Byron Fraze and a 2017 second-round pick. Okay. All so right, Byron so, Fraze yeah. is a really interesting kid. Um, Babcock liked him a lot last year. He did a lot of penalty-killing work for them. He broke his hand. He's a scorer in the American League. I think he's got 23 or 24 goals. Mm-hmm. And so he'll go to Tampa Bay and have a chance to punch into their lineup, perhaps. But Tampa also gets a second-round pick. So it's a second-round pick and Byron Fraze uh, for Brian Boyle. That's a, that's a good deal for Toronto because I would say that they had probably not looked at Fraze as a guy that was going to get into their lineup. Right. Yet he has some value around the league, and um, and the second round pick, they've got they've got a couple of seconds, I believe, and so they can move one of them, and now they get Boyle. I, I think this is a this is a good deal for Toronto. Yeah, they've got some seconds. They got one for Polak, then they get one for. Um, oh they, yeah, they, no, they yeah. got two. Two, Did they not? Yeah. I don't know. I know they got a bunch of them. Um, they got because uh, Reimer, Reimer went there. Polak went there. Oh, Reimer! No, that that Reimer yeah. was, one of them was for players. One yes, of them was yep, for, yep, for for picks. For pick. So they do have an extra second round pick for sure. Um, interesting. Yeah. Well, and really, when you think about the Marlies, uh, Kapanen is probably going to the first guy to get the call up uh, skill wise. And uh, and then the um, uh, the Nashville player is slipping my mind. They got him in the Franzen trade. Um, 
from the Marlies. He'll be the next guy if you want to look for skill from the Marlies to bring well, him up. Well, yeah, but they've got they've got probably three or four guys that would be around the cusp. You're right, Kapanen's had a good year, but they got a pile of injuries down there, by mm-hmm. the way. Okay. Um, but I see this is where you know we all react to what an NHL team does without really knowing what comes underneath. Yes. I just happen to know, for example, what Minnesota's future looks like. Like, Boston could go ahead and trade a draft pick if they wanted to, if, if they felt there was something that could really improve their team, and they've been smoking hot under Bruce Cassidy. But they've got, they've got four or five players that are just sitting there about ready to turn pro. So those are the times you can maybe sacrifice a draft pick. But there's not a lot of teams that can do that. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is teams run into cap problems and they're stuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's... And they're like, yeah, we'd, like, we hear all the time, oh, why don't they go get a forward? Well, if we're aware they should get a forward, <laughs> they're probably aware they should get one. Yeah. But they can't fit it in. They can't make a deal. They can't make the dollars work. And so what's a good idea is the, you know, it's a good idea on paper. You just can't make it work. In your opinion, going back to the wild, does Hansel – Okay, Miko Koivu is their number one center. Uh, Eric Stahl's number two. Does Hansel jump in ahead of Stahl, or even does he? Look, he doesn't have a lot of goals no. this year. He's kind of caught fire a little bit, but um, yeah, no. Hansel's a third. Hansel for them will be a third line player. Um, just think of the size they have down in the middle now. Yeah, yeah. You know, Stahl is is six foot four. Four. Yeah. You know, uh, Koivu is about six three, and and Hansel's yeah. six six. Right. I mean, that's a load down the middle of the ice. That allows them to move Eric Halla to be their fourth-line center, where he's, you know, he creates some mismatches. He's very, very fast. Minnesota's a good team. I know. That, yeah. That's another team that turned pretty quickly. At the, don't forget, last year they filed, fired Mike Yo, brought in, um, brought in John Torchetti to the end of the year mm-hmm. as the interim coach. He got, got them to six games in that first round of the playoff series. They fire him, bring in Bruce Boudreaux, and now they're – I mean, they're among the best teams in the league. It's really, really interesting to watch the Wild. Uh, Bishop goes to the Kings. This is interesting uh, for Peter Budai, who, you know, obviously Jonathan Quick is back now, as everybody knows, just played his uh, first game or second game, I guess. Um, Now, Dean Lombardi, the GM of the Kings, did you see this, Ray? He said, yeah, you know, we're not sure about Quick's injury. He could get hurt again any time. It's a groin uh, for Quick, I believe. But he also said... Part of this is to stop other teams from getting Bishop. And I thought that was pretty honest and pretty cool that he admitted that. Like, Calgary was a team, apparently, that was looking around for, for a goalie. Um, smart move by, by Dean Lombardi. And, and if Quick doesn't get his form back, uh, Bishop's proven. Well, okay, that, I get that. Oh, you don't like that? No, but I mean, I get what he says, but... And, you know, Dean's got a couple of Stanley Cups, and I don't. So, you know, I, I always <laughs> defer to these guys that are sitting there right. in their, you know, in their conference rooms making these decisions. But mm-hmm. quick played on Saturday. He was terrific. The Kings won three to uh, four to one against uh, Anaheim. Outstanding game, his first game back. So how many games is the second goalie, whoever it is, yeah. going to play in L.A.? They got twenty two yeah. yeah. or three games left. So five, is he gonna play six? five? Yeah. yeah. Or six? So for the other sixteen games, what they have is a taller guy in a baseball hat. Yeah, but it doesn't he, matter how good he is because he's not playing. But quick is playing. That's fine. 
So they cannot score. Their top line at practice today has a rookie that's played under 10 games, Adrian Kempa, who I think is going to be a good player, and it really has been kind of impressive since they called up. But he's playing with Andre Kopitar, who's got six who's, goals yeah, this year. Yeah, Kopitar is struggling. So, again, I'm sure L.A. realizes they need a forward. Right. But it's really interesting to me that they would use an asset to get something that they don't necessarily need. It's more a luxury than anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what six, six points out of the playoffs, they're in the luxury position. Now, they play in Minnesota and they, uh, today, Monday, and Tuesday they play in Calgary. If they win two games, you know, if they win yeah. Monday, Tuesday, it's a whole different ball game. But if they don't... Th- I, you know, I mean, I, I don't. It doesn't make me understand this deal anymore. I think LA is not finished. Um, I do believe they still have to add a forward. I, I mean, they're at times they look like they're trying to pound blood out of a rock. <laughs> uh, what do you know about Eric Cernick, the the prospect? I don't. I've honestly, I don't. Uh, actually, I, I feel like I've seen. Uh, you, you actually, you say his name Chernick. Oh, Chernick. Um, okay. He is. Uh, six foot four, right-handed defenseman. I feel like I've seen this player for 37 years <laughs> because he's played at the World Junior Tournament okay. as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, and a 19-year-old. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah, yeah. His game he's like the goat. hasn't changed a whole lot. Right. He's a defender. The I'll say this: the puck is not his friend. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's okay. Not, so my point being is he's not a. A level guy. He's not a no. Yeah, yeah. He's, no, but he might be able to be a third pair defense. Right, right. Like he's big enough. He's physical enough. He wants to compete. Mm-hmm. But he's not. You know, he's he's not going to move the puck. Right. That's not that's not happening. So Tampa Bay gets a guy that um, L.A. drafted, I believe, in the fourth round. They get a draft pick, and they give up, and they get Peter Budai, who easily could sign and be their backup goalie. They'd get him at a mm-hmm. reduced rate because. Again, a lot of this for Tampa, they don't necessarily want to trade Ben Bishop, but they got no cap room. They got to sign Jonathan Drouin, Tyler Johnson, Andre mm-hmm. Palat this summer. Well, like, where's the money going to come from? Do you think like Tampa's been on a bit of a roll lately, and Stamkos they say could play this year? Does this signal we're out? Does this signal we're going to reload? Does this mean anything to the guys in the room? Are they are they like, oh, our management's given up, or no? Well, I, I would say the um, the Bishop deal would not have been that. The Boyle deal would feel like that. Yeah. Because the Bishop deal, they have Andre Vasilevsky, and they're getting another goalie. And the players understand, look, we're not going to be able to re-sign him. Right. This one feels, you know, would feel to me anyway, yeah. like, okay, we're trading Brian Boyle for – Nobody. Yep. Even though there's a draft yeah. pick, and, and Brian, Byron Fraze is going to go to Syracuse most likely, but that feels like you're not getting uh, an immediate return. And I know as I got older, I was like, oh, that's great. They're getting draft picks. Yep. Yep. I'll never see these draft picks. <laughs> exactly. That's what you I know, mean, so it's right? A t- yeah. It's a tough part of the year. It really yep. is. Yep. And, um, you know, Eddie Olchek, uh, who we're going to have on, um, is, uh, was traded at a deadline. 
Uh, we were in Los Angeles. Eddie got traded to Pittsburgh for Glenn Murray. Um, I got traded at a deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real uneasy time for everybody. And if if you're left behind, you kind of tr- you're sitting there and you end up in a conversation with all the rest of the guys about, hey, what are we trying to do here? Like, yeah, what is, that's what I mean, right? That's, like, that, yeah. You know, that's that's out of your pay grade. Your your job's <laughs> to go play. Yeah, tough though, right? Tough to focus on that. Um, well, it's a kick in the pants for sure because you know that. Your season, in all likelihood, just had a, a period put on it. <laughs> you got, and that's the last day of the of the regular season. You guys go out for beers after, and you're like, well, they're giving up. Why don't we? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, no, nobody ever says that. I'll no, tell you okay. that. All right. Uh, let's bring uh, Eddie Owen. And uh, I want to talk to Eddie O about Winnipeg. Can, can, I, can I do that? Oh, of course. All right. Let's bring uh, Eddie Olchuk in. All right, let's welcome him in, the man we were talking about, uh, former uh, Chicago Blackhawk, Winnipeg Jet, Toronto Maple Leaf, among others, New York Rangers, Stanley Cup winner, uh, now the, the analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks and NBC Sports. You know him as Eddie Olchuk. Eddie O, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Steve, I thought you were going to say, and also former teammate of the great Ray Ferraro. I mean, for <laughs> well, a cup of coffee, cup of coffee with the L.A. Kings back in the season, 96-97 season. So, Ray! Wasn't it, Edsel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, all, all I know, Steve, hey, we, we had this guy. I got to tell the story. Right yeah, now. go ahead. We, we we right off the bat we we had uh, we had a bunch of interesting characters on that team obviously Ray at the top of that list but we had you know we had Rob Blake and Kevin Stevens and Dougie Zmolek but I mean we had a, you know we had a few other guys as well but there was a guy by the name of Kai Nermanen Kai Nermanen and somewhere over the course of the season Kai had a thigh injury so when he came back. Uh, I think it might have been Razor that uh, decided that his new name was going to be Thigh. So we called him <laughs> we called him Thigh Nermanen for about six weeks, and then one day he just said, "Edzo, why does why does Razor why does Razor call me Thigh?" I go, "Kai or Thigh?" I said, "What was your injury?" He goes, "I hurt my thigh." I go, "Well, there you go. Your new nickname is Thigh Nermanen." So. We're <laughs> we're playing a game at the old farm now. Larry Robinson was our coach, mm-hmm. and uh, and Greener uh, Rick Green was there, and I think Jay Bird, Jay Leach was assistant coach, and and Razor and Thai came off the ice uh, <laughs> together, and uh, they kind of it was somebody was in between them. I can't remember if it was uh, Dimitri Kristich or mm-hmm. somebody Yatchman or somebody, but all of a sudden I just hear Thai yelling at Razor. Razor, did you not see me? He looks at he looks at Thigh and he was like, "What?" He goes, "I was three meters behind you." <laughs> Razor says, "What?" He goes, three meters. I was three meters. I was wide open." And then Razor yelled at Artie, and I can't say what Artie uh, what Razor said to Artie, but I'm like, Razor, how far is three meters behind you? Because I had, I don't even know how far ten feet is, let alone three meters. But uh, that was uh, one of uh, one of the interesting stories that we had on an interesting year back in ninety six ninety seven with the LA Kings. But good to be with you boys and Razor. I always enjoy being with you, pal. Oh, we had. I, I got to tell this what like one one of the great great teammates we had was Kevin Stevens. Now Kevin's had some hard times and. Man, but we love the guy. If you know Artie, you love Artie. Yeah. Would that not be fair, Edzo? Very fair, very fair. Yeah, I mean, just uh, he's just this giant of a man. He was so loud and funny. Mm-hmm. And so we're on. We're at the end of the year, and they're calling up all these young kids. 
And so they get these five guys that they've just called up from Phoenix on the power play. And so Kevin is, I don't know, maybe six guys away from me on the bench. And he says in this loud voice, Reza, are you looking at our power play? And I'm like, yeah, I see that. Are you? And he goes, no, no, are you getting a good look at this power play? Well, everybody in the building can hear him, it seems like. And I'm like, yeah, already I see that. He's like, good. Because like, we had five guys, we didn't even know their names. They just got called up. And so at the end of that year, Edzo got traded to Pittsburgh, and it was mm-hmm. such a downer because, you know, man, we just love playing with Edzo. So we, we, get, we go to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and Eddie, as many people know, is a horse aficionado. And so we're going to Pittsburgh to play. We're going to meet Eddie, and Eddie, like, we're going to go for dinner. And Eddie yep. says, guys, you got to come to the OTB because this is where I'm spending, you know, it's, it's got some time, right? We go there. I would, I've been to the OTB. Have you ever been, Steve? No, I just heard the pressing stories about OTBs always. No, no, you go in, you watch your race, you do your little research. Edzo gets in there. He's got, man, Eddie knows what he's doing. I don't know. It's a bunch of horses that are yeah. going around turning left, right? I don't even know what's going on. We come running in, and Artie races out of the cab. He leaves me in the cab to pay. <laughs> because he's got to get Edzo's tip into the race. Right. And he, t- he doesn't even know. Eddie could have told him to bet on horse number 743. <laughs> and would Artie have bet on that horse, Edzo? Uh, he'd be, he went with both hands, and I'm happy to say that uh, it was a very nice investment for a $2 investment. Uh, I think it was, it, was uh, north of about six, it was about north of $16, so just do the math. Oh, Hardy wasn't yeah, betting $2 yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, don't even, we don't even really know who we're cheering for. We're like, Edzo will look after us. Yeah, yeah. Edzo yeah. looked <laughs> after us. <laughs> well, I, bet, I, I go to the sports books here in Vegas and uh, bet on NFL and NHL and whatever. CFL. Even they got CFL the casino by my house, and the really? horse the horse guys, I mean they are loud and they get into it, and I'm just watching it on the boards and I'm 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 mystified honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of, I'm one of those guys, Steve, over at the uh, beautiful Red Rock Resort and Hotel, yeah, where yeah. my buddy Jason McCormick is. That's where I like to uh, lay my racing form. And yeah. you're right, yeah, it does get uh, does get a little intense, but uh, you know I was you mentioned CFL. Hey, Ray, does uh, does Hank Elisic still punt for somebody? Is he still a punter? <laughs> no, no. He punted for a couple of the eight teams, but now yeah. he's right. He punted for the Rough Riders and the Rough Riders. Both. Yeah, right. at the, yeah, at the same time. But I thought, at, I, I, I mean, look, what, what's Yager? Yager's, what, 46, 47, whatever he is? Yeah. I mean, Hank Elisic was at least 55, 56, wasn't he? He was still yeah. kicking. I think he retired right around 48 from punting. His leg just fell off. You got to be, oh, uh, Eddie, you got to be careful because TSN does own, you know, they're very big in the CFL. Ray is oh, contracted. Don't to. worry. We... <laughs> All right, Hank. Hey, Hank. Hey, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to turn know, this into a. I remember at least one ticker right, when right. I was in my. I spent almost. Well, geez, I was in Toronto for. I always seem to wear out my welcome every three plus years wherever I was. But <laughs> I was in. I was in Toronto for three and a half, and then. Uh, I was in the peg for uh, three and a half, and then I came back for a token too. But I spent, you know, geez, yeah. you do the math. I did almost uh, almost ten and a half Canadian years <laughs> playing hey, now, in, in the NHL. I, I don't want to get people. I don't want to give people the impression that all we did was we were looking for action for gambling or whatever. <laughs> but but I but. want to tell you this might be my favorite Eddie Olchek story. Maybe my favorite. <laughs> We're in, the Kings take us for training camp to 
Bushwood. Arrowhead? Bo- Is that what it Bushwood. Was yeah, we called it yeah. Bushwood. It's Arrowhead, California. I guess it's in the summer. It's a beautiful yes, lake yes, and all yep, this stuff. Yep. We go up there at the, in the middle of September. There's nobody there. There's nobody yep, there. Yep. But we're going to have training camp for a couple of days. So we were on the ice in the morning. It was still the time when you could have two a days, two practices per day. So we got on the ice in the morning, and now we got three hours between the next ice ice session. <laughs> right. So we go to watch. There's playoff baseball on. And I forget who the New York Mets are playing. And Bobby Bonilla comes up with the bases loaded. And Edzo says, he's going to hit a grand slam. And I'm like, uh, don't be stupid, Eddie. And he's like, don't call me stupid. You call me stupid. We got So now we're arguing. Yeah. And he goes, I said, Eddie, there's not a chance. I said, um, I'll bet you 50 bucks, and I'll give you 10 to 1 odds. Ah. And Edzo's like, absolutely. Yeah. I'll take that bet. And I'm like, what an easy 50 bucks I've won. Yeah. Whatever's going to happen, he's not going to hit a grand slam. No. It's three and two, and I'm all, now I'm, I've got this bad feeling. <laughs> and all I'm thinking is, I hope this pitcher bounces this pitch for ball four. Yeah. Because then I win. I don't even care. Yeah, yeah. You know what happens. Grand slam. The ball <laughs> leaves his bat. Enzo jumps up on his chair. <laughs> the other patrons are looking, and he's like <gasps> hooting and hollering. I'm like, the most rid- there's not a chance I could lose this bat. No. But I lost it. And Edzo, he just sat there, catbird smile, fork it uh, over. I'm like, yeah, like I got my hockey gear on. I don't have any yeah, money yeah. in my pants. <laughs> exactly. Uh, awesome. Awesome. It was a thumping. That was thumping. Yeah. I'll, I'll, now let's get to the trade deadline. And, uh, you know what? Hey, and by the way, just to end that, I think Bobby Mania is still getting paid. Yeah, he still <laughs> he's he is. paid for another seven years. It's, yeah, it's, oh, it's oh, insane, God. huh? No, no, yeah, no, crazy. The deferred crazy. money on that on that deal. Uh, I'm sure you guys are both pulling it in still, deferred. Ray, from you, from maybe from Hartford and. And yeah, right. oh, yeah. Hartford, Hartford had a lot. Yeah, we had a lot of extra cash. Right. Did you guys ever get into it on the ice ever when you're on opposing teams? Because both of you guys, you know, Ray, I mean, you're famous for, you know, yapping and talking back. And, and Eddie, you know, you, you, you also not scared to uh, verbalize things. Did you guys ever get into yeah, it? I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think I ever had any, uh, I don't think I had ever had any uh, run ins with. Ray, I think we probably did more talking. Uh, I think we did more talking after we became teammates, and then obviously when I got right. traded, and then we played against each other for a boatload of years. But no, I never, really, never did uh, with Razor. I, I don't remember anything. No, I don't remember either. Stuck out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking, Eddie, before we got you on. Uh, yeah. So Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay trades Brian Boyle to Toronto, yeah. Ben Bishop yeah. to L.A. And and, yeah. and Ray, I asked Ray this question because, you know, you two guys are the experts. I asked them, like, in the room, you're sort of like, well, this is what management thinks. Like, Tampa's been pretty good lately. They're making a run for the playoffs. Boyle's mm-hmm. gone. Bishop's gone. And, like, yeah. I asked Ray, like, what do the guys in the room think at management? Mm-hmm. Are they just like, oh, well, uh, it's tough, right? You've been there either – you've been the guy traded and been the yeah. guy in the rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's one of those situations, and again, I mean, I think it's the philosophy of the organization, Steve. Where, and I look at, it, and I and I learned this some ten plus years ago when I was uh, when I was coaching in Pittsburgh. It's okay, like when you are in these situations, do you 
you know, do you allow the player to drive the bus or do you drive the bus? I mean, okay, well, if, if you just stay with Bishop and Boyle in the locker room, okay, and you don't get anything for those guys, so to speak, and whether you make the playoffs or not, your organization is going to be shortchanged a year or two down the road or maybe if you can sign them. So, I mean, that's the one philosophy you look at. And I think some guys will look at it and go, well, you know, I mean, we gave up, you know, arguably our best goaltender right now. But, I mean, there's still some people, I think there are some people that think that Vasilevsky has the ability to be, you know, a really elite mm-hmm. goaltender. And Brian Boyle, look, I mean, he got a heck of a contract going from New York down to Tampa. And, you know, he's a serviceable guy. I mean, he played some power play, takes some face-offs, can be a, you know, a versatile forward. And look, and he's he's got a track record of being a really good, solid teammate. So, uh, but I think most players now, and the game is different. The players are different. I think Ray and I have had this conversation over the years. The players are a lot different now than, than in our era. And I think if this was in our era, Steve, uh, I think that you would see more of a, you know, I don't even want to say negative tone to it, but I think more guys would look at it the way that you you know, that you said initially of like, well, geez, we see what, you know, management right. thinks of this. I don't think so. I don't think that is anymore. I think players now are more, are more understanding if that's the right word to use on the business part of it. So look, I mean, a good pickup for Toronto, Ray, you, I know you do a lot of their games. I watch you all the time when you're doing the games, you know, you would know better how that will end up being a, a, a fit. Um, but I think the guys in Tampa are just say, look, you know, like, both guys' contracts are up, and uh, it's more opportunity for mm-hmm. me. And uh, I think that's the way that that you know I think the guys would probably look at that in in, uh, in Tampa Bay. Eddie, you've done um, you get a pile of Minnesota games, Chicago games that you yeah. do. Mini yeah. um, got really good in a hurry somehow, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I was surprised, Ed. So I you know I did their playoff series last year yeah. when they went yeah. to six games with Dallas, and I thought, well, they're yeah. pretty good. I didn't see yeah. this coming. Have you been yeah. surprised? And then what do you, surprised or not, what do you think of their addition of Hansel, which is you know one of the biggest names that will move at this deadline? Yeah, uh, I think much needed a depth, uh, Ray, because I think what's happened is, you know, Eric Stahl, you know, I guess you could argue the first, what, 35, 40 games of regular season, he might have been the best, you know, dollar for dollar free agent signing that there was this past summer, you know, and I think, I think for Stahl, he's kind of hit a little bit of a wall here as of late. So I don't think you can never have enough centermen and enough depth. And a guy like Hansel will certainly do that. I don't think Hansel's a, you know, I don't think he's a top one center, but I think he's certainly a very solid number two and in in an outstanding number three in a situation. So regardless of where Charlie Coyle may play or, you know, Coyle has been playing really well with that Zucker and Granlin line. Uh, I mean, this is, this really, uh, this really helps their depth and you have, you know, look and Ryan White's, you know, he's, I like the player. Like I like, he'd give you a little bit of a different look. He can, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, he's not the quickest guy, but you know, I mean, he's got the ability to, you know, you look at him sideways or something goes haywire, you know, he's got a chance to go ahead and run you in the third or fourth row. I think he's a smart player. So I, I think that uh, they've pushed their chips all in. I still think that they probably need a defenseman, Ray, just in case. Um, and, uh, look, the guy in goal is pretty salty. Um, so, you know, the one thing that, that I've seen Minnesota, I mean, they've always been able to play fast. I mean, they've always been able to push the pace, maybe with not as much structure as maybe that you would have liked. But, 
Uh, don't underestimate the job that Mike Yo and John Torchetti did over the course of the last, what, five plus years when, when they were both head coaches in Minnesota. And I think just, you know, the maturation, guys getting a little bit more experience, uh, bringing in a guy like Scott Stevens on the defensive side, you know, to help the, help the defensemen there in Minnesota. They're a legit team. And look, I, you know, I, there are a lot of guys that I talk to in the Western Conference and, Hey, you know who's the teams that? And in Minnesota, very rarely is not in the top two teams that teams mention, and uh, in, in people that I talk to around the league of, of how good they are. So, uh, again, to me, I think that if they could add another D man, all of a sudden now they, you know, they become a real legitimate threat when you talk about depth and you talk about uh, experience. And I don't think you can ever have enough of that. And uh, you know, look, I mean, White, I don't even know if he's been in the playoffs, and Hansel. Uh, maybe one or two times in his career, um, but to me, I'd look to add a defenseman if I could, somebody that's been around and you know maybe can play a handful of games. So, uh, but I think they're legit, Ray. I do because I think the Western Conference is. I think if you you, you know if you roll that octagon down the street and uh, you know whatever name popped up, I you know I think you can make a case legitimately for for you know five or six teams for sure. And sit there and go, well, this team matches up against, you know, this team a little bit better and give yourself a shot. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's wide open. But Minnesota, I think with the moves that they made right now, certainly have uh, sent a pretty strong message is that uh, they're in it to get to the conference finals. And as you guys know, once you get there, anything can happen. Well, when I watch the Blackhawks, Ed, though, I think I'm, I've been most surprised, you know, not not knowing a lot about how ready they're their younger players were going to sure. be the the push that they've gotten from from these kids you know whether yeah. you know not so much panic i i yeah. i was really surprised the leafs yeah. let panic go last year Never i, got I thought he was Ray, right? a pretty good player mm-hmm. you know yeah. strong can shoot the puck but yeah. the other guys a hartman or schmaltz or guys like that um were you were you thinking they were ready to take this step or is that is that just kind of a different guys for you know different strokes at different times for these guys. Yeah, I think that's probably the latter, Ray. I mean, I think for both guys. I mean, Hartman's kind of been on a steady, uh, uh, you know, on a steady, cl- a steady climb here the last, you know, since the start of the year. Uh, Schmaltz was, you could tell, wasn't ready at the start of the year. Uh, he he showed flashes, uh, and then he got sent down to Rockford in the American Hockey League and spent. Don't quote me. I think he spent a couple of weeks down there for mm-hmm. sure, and he wanted to go down there. And, and uh, he's the type of guy, Ray, that looks to pass first and shoot, and, and and really turned on a lot of opportunities to shoot the puck early when he was up here. And you know, when you're playing with you know Caves or Kane or whatever, and those guys give you the puck, a pretty good chance is that it's in a good area and you got to drift the puck, but. Yeah, I think he since he's come back, he 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 seems like a much different player. Even Jonathan Taves talked about that, uh, you know, maybe three or four days ago, just talking about where he's just much more confident. And you know, I think the one thing too, right, with a guy like Schmaltz, because he's been the one guy that just kind of you know has all of a sudden gotten everybody's attention, is you know, I think for the first time in a long time, and again, Jonathan Taves uh, alluded to this, is that as a line with panic. Uh, and Schmaltz, and of course Jonathan Taves, they know if they don't have a good game or they don't score, and this hasn't been, and you played for Joel, uh, Coach Q, Joel Quinville, 
there's a pretty good chance is that the line is going to get you know mumbled jumbled and he's going to make some changes. Like Caves kind of alluded to it uh, after his I think his five point game against Minnesota that as a line they know if they don't score a game they're going to be back together and I think that there's a comfort zone. Ray, look, we were young players once. And you'll feel like you're walking on eggshells. And if you don't have a good game, there's nothing worse. And all of a sudden you go from the second line to the fourth line or out of the lineup or you're not in the power play. And I just think that even even with older guys and guys that are as accomplished as anybody like Jonathan Taves, I think there's a comfort zone there. And Joel is letting them work their issues out. And it's paid dividends. So I think for Schmaltz, I think there's a comfort there now that he knows he's going to play. I mean, look, he's still got a lot to learn the defensive side. I mean, he's got a lot to learn. But I think with this team, the Blackhawks being a one-line team for a good 45-ish games this year, and that was all with Patrick Kane, all of a sudden Jonathan Taves has found his game. And this team becomes dangerous because you have a one-two punch like that. So, but those two young guys in particular have done a good job. Tanner Carroll's come in and done a really nice job. He's, a, he's an honest fourth-line guy that can kill some penalties, win some face-offs. Uh, and then Michael Kempney on the back end, uh, you know, an older guy, but, you know, a guy that has done a good job. So at, at the end of the day, they've had to incorporate young players because of the salary cap and some of the big contracts uh, on the books. And you need that. And sometimes you got to force these guys to, to live and learn on the job. But the Schmaltz and Hartman have done, uh, have done a terrific job. Even more, so, I mean, Hartman more so because it's been pretty consistent all season long. But Schmaltz has really taken his game to another level since coming back from the American League. It's funny, you know, here we are a couple of days out from the deadline. And as soon as Bishop got traded to L.A., yesterday and then the Hansel deal happened and then today all of a sudden it's like the dominoes go and bang 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 and uh, Jordy Benz just traded to uh, from Dallas to Montreal for Greg Pattern after his wife (laughs) tweeted it's tough enough his wife tweeted out something rather unflattering about the hiring of Chloe Julian and so that was inevitable he (laughs) you know like seriously the game's hard enough honey don't help me out (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. I got, I got enough. I got enough problems in my life, let alone having to uh, to fight two battles. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. I mean, Ray. You know, you, you make a good point. I mean, just you know, teams being. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things going. I mean, teams for people that don't know. And look, I, I was like I said, lucky enough. I go back to when I was in Pittsburgh ten plus years ago, coaching there. I mean, there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes. It was make it really intriguing, you know. And I know that. Uh, you know, people take such great interest in the trade deadline because it's it's so, super important now, but also for, you know, for down the road for teams. But you're right. It's like, look, we, we got this on burner one and two, and all of a sudden one of the burners goes out, and all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, like, you know, what do we got on three and four? And then, you know, what, what are our, you know, what are our support, uh, you know, positions? You know, where, where – where where can we go now since this player is 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 off the table and it's just you know things happen quickly and all of a sudden now uh, in a lot of situations the price you know the, the the price goes up now because certain players are out of the mix and you know what the needs and wants of of most teams I think most teams have a pretty good idea because a lot of these guys communicate and know what the hell is going on but it's uh, it's a pretty interesting time of year and you know it sure goes to show you. Uh, teams show their hands and some are doing a little bit earlier than others and trying to be a little bit more proactive instead of getting caught and, uh, and, and not getting maybe a need for today or for, you know, post, uh, 
post deadline day on Wednesday. Um, uh, Eddie, we talked last week on the show about so Martin Jones, Cam Talbot, a couple of backups that stepped up uh, yeah. have proven to be really good starters in the in the league. Mm-hmm. And so Scott Darling of the Blackhawks, yeah. look, the, the, yeah. the Hawks are forever against the crunch, and I don't know Darling's contract status off the top of my head. But he's when, unrestricted after this year. Steve. Okay, yeah. so yeah. he's a guy, every time I see he's playing, he seems yeah. like he did pretty well. He hold, held the yeah. fort down when Crawford was hurt. Is this guy the next guy from a backup role, a la Jones, a la Talbot, that somebody signs to be a starter? I would certainly. Uh, he does have the ability to be the guy. Um, he has proven himself over the course of the last couple of years. He won a playoff series for the Blackhawks when Corey Crawford really struggled a couple of years ago uh, when they won the Stanley Cup um, against Nashville where he outplayed Pecorine, uh without any doubt. Uh, he was the better goaltender in a playoff series than Pecorine. So, um, you know, he's the guy, again, I, I don't know what the plan is going to be mm-hmm. for the Blackhawks on their backup goaltending situation, but you've got to think there's going to be a handful of teams that would want a goaltender that is big, that has proven himself. Uh, now, he's proven himself to be able to play in a playoff series, be able to play, you know, 25, 30 games. Could he play another 20 or 25? Absolutely, without any hesitation. He's earned himself an opportunity to go somewhere, Steve, and to be the guy. Or maybe for a year, or maybe there's somebody that's in a situation that the contract is expiring. It's an older goaltender, and maybe somebody takes a run at him. And you know, look, he's, he's he, he 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 can be that type of guy. A guy like Talbot, a guy like Martin Jones. Uh, he's his, his story is really really incredible, considering where he was and what he went through and what he put himself through. You know, going back almost, mm-hmm. you know, I guess what seven, eight years ago, and to see where he is right now, it's just an incredible story. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's proven himself to be a, a, a number one goaltender somewhere. Obviously, right now it's not in Chicago, um, but I don't know what's going to happen down the future. But I, you know, I, I love the comparison of 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 those two guys, mm-hmm. of Talbot and Jones, and. Sometimes, Ray, look, we play with a lot of guys, and, you know, we went through situations with ourselves, you know, and ourselves over our career at all different levels is, look, you just need somebody to open the door for you. You know, I mean, if nobody opens the door for you, uh, you know, you, you can never action speak louder than words, right? But I think a guy like Scott Darling is proven to everybody. I think he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid extremely well. Now, whether it's in Chicago time will tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the odds would probably say is that, uh, you know, he wants to branch off and, and become the guy. And uh, and if that's the case, uh, highly unlikely it would be in Chicago. It's funny you say somebody to open the door, Edzo, and when that door gets opened and for Darling, like a lot of guys, uh, yeah. it took a long time, you better be ready to run through it. Because yeah. that yeah. your window might be a lot smaller than other guys because of yeah. circumstance or you know we all know some guys get three four five chances you know yeah, maybe right. because of their draft pedigree or what have yeah. you darling yeah. didn't and yeah. somehow the door opened yeah he I mean, been ready you know and, what Ray I mean, look, that's, it's a terrific point because I mean look he, he was playing in the Southern Professional Hockey League he was just looking to get his life back in order. And he was playing down in the Southern Pro Hockey League and making his, you know, hundred bucks a night 
type of a deal. And all of a sudden he got an opportunity and he got to the East coast hockey league and then Nashville saw him and, you know, they got him there and they started working with him. And all of a sudden he went from Southern professional league to the East coast hockey league. And then he was in the American league in Milwaukee and, you know, he got some opportunities and, you know, go give the Blackhawks credit for, you know, sniffing him out. And look, I mean, this guy has worked his tail off and has become a very good goaltender. And again, I mean, being, you know, it's it's a and Ray, we've been around guys like it, it's a different hat when you are the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are guys that can be utility players in baseball, uh, can be utility players in hockey. Everybody talks about you know, well, it's easy to, you know, it's it's easy. You know, everybody wants to be the goal scorer. Everybody wants to be well. You need guys to be able to kill penalties. You want you need guys to be able to to be defensive specialists. Uh, all of a sudden, okay, well, we need you to score 20 goals this year. Well, you know, some guys just don't have the ability to be able to do that. And that's the same with goaltenders. I mean, how many goaltenders can you sit here and name and go, you know what? Yeah, he can be number one. He can be number one. Well, all of a sudden, when he has to be the number one guy, uh, there's a little bit more pressure, you know, that, that you are the guy. But I think a guy like Scott Darling doesn't, I mean, he's the opposite of that. I think that he is, he has the makeup and the size and the attributes to be, uh, uh, a number one goaltender in the National Hockey League, and uh, hopefully for him, you know, he will get that opportunity. Because look, I mean, you know, who? Yeah, you know, look, I look at Mark Andre Fleury, and I know I'm bouncing all around the place here, but I know Mark Andre Fleury obviously from my days in, in, in Pittsburgh and drafting him and having him. Uh, you know, wishing I had him a little bit more when I was coaching there in Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. But yeah. um, like you know, you look at it in in, in in just you know hearing people talk well gee you know why wouldn't he want to be the backup in Pittsburgh you know he can has a chance to win another Stanley Cup well look one year okay good soldier one year uh, team player uh, playing behind Matt Murray understood but all of a sudden now it's okay well all right well like do you not do you not want to get back and be the guy again do you not want to get your career back going and i mean that 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 to me i look at that and and, and go in that situation there's no doubt and i know the kid there's no doubt in my mind he he knows he can be the guy he wants to be the guy and now it's just a matter of somebody decides to to pull the trigger so uh very interesting on what's going on in the berg with flurry and Mm -hmm. back on uh, scott darling uh you know he's he should make a little bit of money uh, this next summer, and uh, somebody's going to get not only a good goaltender, but a very good guy as well. Eddie, how much of your – and we'll wrap this up real short. Paul Pocket sure. podcast with Eddie Olchuk. Uh, well, ask Ray this question. Ray, what do you think is – if you talk, if you have a pie of 100% of conversations with Joel Quenville that Eddie has, what percentage is horse talk and what percentage is hockey talk <laughs> that Eddie, uh, Eddie and Joel talk? Seven – no – 84% horses. <laughs> okay. All right. Six, 15, 15 hockey, and one who really knows where, what. <laughs> for Joel, it would be cigars. For Edzo, it would be chocolate cake. <laughs> there we Joel go. likes you know a good I, cigar. I, you know what? Edzo likes Ray, a good I think, chocolate Ray, cake. I think I, I think I should give you your 500 bucks back because the first number that came to my mind was probably 86%. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how's the power play? Yeah, it's real good. Hey, did you see the number three in in, uh, in Woodbine or whatever? Oh, <laughs> I did. I did a game near Derby time. Yep. And I know Joel was coaching because I saw him behind the bench. <laughs> but you know, like, oh, they get 
Ed, though, you, you guys, you get so excited because it's such a big deal and it's such a rare event. But yeah. what, it, what has always been interesting to me, because, you know, I've not ever understood nor followed, is that the day-to-day information that you guys are immersed in is, it's really, if people want to know what analytics is, yeah. it's that. Yeah. <laughs> it's whatever they're doing, because... I don't know what the most the second red newspaper it, of Eddie Olchek's life is, but I know the racing form is first. Is first, jeez. Hey, all, all I know is when I when I was playing in Toronto, I roomed with um, with uh, Mark Osborne, longtime National Hockey League. We ended up playing on three teams together. Believe it or not, we played Toronto, Winnipeg, and the Rangers together over the course of our time. And anyway, so. Uh, uh, we would we were rooming together and we also flew together and Ray knows that I'm not exactly a great flyer Steve so I sat I sat in the exit row because I kind of felt safer in the exit row and Ozzy <laughs> would sit right next to me so the best part about it was the flight attendants would come walking down the airplane aisle and there Ozzy would be uh, and Ozzy would have the big book out like he'd have the big book like the Bible book like you know the biggest book there is and then sitting right next to him. <laughs> Next to the racing form, I, I had the racing form. So we had it. See, we had it covered. Yeah, we had it covered from head to toe. We had it from heaven, and you know where else? <laughs> Eddie circling and Xing and moving the marker, and yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Steve, I got to tell this quick story if, if I could. Right? So, so we're, we're Ray and I were, you know, we're with the Kings and uh, we're in Dallas. So we get hammered in Dallas. We're on our way flying back home, and this is like in January. And the Santa Ana winds in California are mm-hmm. just like brutal, right? So the pilot gets on like maybe ten minutes in a flight and goes, "Guys, we got good news and bad news." So the bad news is the LAX has been closed for the last seven hours. So. Uh, We'll get more update as we get closer," he said. "But if we can't land in L.A., we're going to land in Vegas. So we just get we just get some <laughs> oh, six to two. So the the back of the plane, of course, you know that's where yeah. I am and Brazers and and Artie too was like, woohoo! You know, everybody's pretty excited. <laughs> so so we get a little bit closer, and the pilot goes, uh, "Guys, just want to let you know, LAX is uh, still closed. There hasn't been a plane that's landed there since uh, you know whatever two thirty yeah. this afternoon, but." Uh, we're going to give it a try. Yeah. And I'm like, now, do you ever want to hear that? We're going to give it a try. No. Like, no. So I'm like, I'm like, what the hell does that mean? So now all of a sudden guys are yelling at me. I think it was Dougie Zmolek said, Edzo, kiss your ass goodbye. This is this. I'm like, this is the last thing I want to be hearing on an airplane. So next thing you know, we're getting ready to go in, you know, and they say, a flight attendant, take your seats. And this is, and now I'm just like, forget about it. You just might as well just poured a gallon of water all over me because I was just saturated sitting up in the exit row. So all of a sudden, it's dead quiet. Now this plane is bouncing. Yeah. Like it's, it's not healthy. All of a sudden, I hear somebody from the background. I don't know if it was Sean O'Donnell or Dougie Z. Now, Sam McMaster was our general manager. <laughs> so, like, it's pretty scary, right? We just got thumped six to two. And yeah. somebody else from the back of the plane goes, hey, Sam, sign the pilot. He's got more balls than half the guys on this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. It, I mean, talking about and then guys just started bursting out laughing. Uh, so we get we, we were all like, scared. Forget, Edsel was it terrified. Was like, we yeah. had a better chance. We, I mean. We were in a Diet Pepsi can. That's what we felt like. Yeah, yeah. We got off. We got off the plane, Steve. And in, th- in those days, you come out the back. You know, the, the back end of the airplane. So we walk out, and I remember this 
plain as day. You know, I'm you know pretty hefty guy, and I'm walking out there with Kevin Stevens, who's you know six four two oh twelve. We started walking. You had the walk with your head down, like around your waist, like you had to walk. Into, like the winds on the ground were probably Ray. What do you think? Seventy five, eighty miles an hour, and we're sitting. There I've never seen anything like this. It. Eight ton airplane, and we're gonna we're gonna try and land. We're the only plane to land at LAX for about nine hours. That pilot, he did have some balls. Jeez. <laughs> now, now, one thing I will say about you know guys are really compassionate. If somebody, if somebody <laughs> course, right? has a, something that bugs them, you know everybody really respects that man. As soon as we learned Edzo had a tough time flying. Uh. Okay, some guys are worse than others. So we'd be, you know, you don't have to have your seatbelt on on a charter. We're walking around, guys are doing, th- you know, whatever they're doing. Yep. And there'd be, we'd hit a boom, boom, like a turbulence. And no matter where he was, Edzo would sit down and crank on his seatbelt <laughs> really tight. <laughs> and no matter where he was on the plane, Kevin Stevens would say, oh, that's really going to help you, Edzo. This thing goes nose down. That's going to help you. <laughs> and, and Eddie would be, like, nervous, sweating. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we're like, oh, but that flight was one of the... Damn. I, I don't... I. You know what, Edzo? Some things you erase. I can't remember being more scared on a plane than that. No, that was... That, seriously. Like, and you know what? And, look, we've all... I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I just know on some flights flying with teams and mm-hmm. just wondering, look, and there were, there was a time when I was coaching in Pittsburgh and it was pretty nasty. And I, you know, I don't care that we had to play. And I said, I told, we're not going. There's, I, I just, I mean, obviously I'm the wrong guy. I was in, I was in charge because Craig Patrick was <laughs> and I'm like, nah, this is not good. I can't out. see out the side of the window. This is probably not a good idea. Now there, I'm sure there are times and God forbid, but I mean, that, that, that night there is, I mean, look at Steve, there is yeah. no way. There is no way we should even. I mean, but but the best part about it was, the pilot says, "Okay, guys, but uh, you know we're going to give it a try." Well, we're going to give it a try. No, that, this that, isn't like you're. This isn't a power play. We're putting Ray on the point. And <laughs> Let's see if like, this works. No, bad idea. No, uh, giving it a try is not the verbiage I want to hear. So yeah, uh, pretty incredible stuff. Well, hey Eddie, thank you for your time on the uh, Ray Ferraro Paul Pocky podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for fighting the good fight for Winnipeg. As always, we talked about that in our old podcast. I appreciate that, and uh, and thanks for your time, man. Anytime, and don't forget, uh, you know, we got playoff hockey coming around, but also the first Saturday of May. And if you want to turn on NBC, I'll uh, I'll be there working the horse racing coverage for NBC as well. So great to be with you guys, Steve. All the best, and Ray. <laughs> oh, love you, Edzo. Thanks, my man. Too, thanks man. for helping out, eh? Anytime, man. Well, Ray, thanks to Eddie. Oh, yeah, great guy. Fantastic. Good, good stories, Terrible man. Flyer, great guy. <laughs> What's with the Ray yelling? Is that the he just yelled? Oh, because he. He would do that every so we'd be in a crowd somewhere and, you know, and then he would just yell, (laughs) I don't know. Who knows? Edzo is, Edzo is an amazing guy. He always has now never, never had a drink in his life. Really? Wow. Oh yeah. He just, just never had a horse race gambling addict and he's never had a drink. And and never done, never. So he, he would, you know, he's got this energy all the time we'd we'd be out somewhere and before i knew this about him i'm like man Edzo had a few beers or what's going no uh-huh. he doesn't drink yeah it's just the way he is it's just oh he's hilarious and uh just uh, as, always, you, as you guys heard just uh 
He's a great storyteller. He's a great guy to be around. We uh, we did a, a Paul Pocky podcast of his career. T- check that on the archives. But his stories about Keenan and that cup run, you know, he was a black ace. Uh, they're great stuff. Oh, yeah. So go, go check that out, everybody. Keenan was unbelievable. And, and I, I don't know. I'm sure the stories are true that Eddie said on the podcast. And if so, Keenan, wow. Um, so we'd been talking about trades the whole time, and looks like there was a, another one done while we were recording this, right? Yeah, Alex Burroughs goes from Vancouver to Ottawa. Really interesting. Burroughs is 36 years old, mm-hmm. signed a two-year extension with Ottawa at the completion of the deal. And um, the the Canucks get back a forward, Jonathan Dolan. And if his name's familiar, it's his... His dad was Ulf Dallin, right. um, who played a long, long time in the NHL. Oh, uh, Jonathan Dallin is a is smaller guy, um, really skilled, terrific puck skills. Um, played at the World Junior Tournament for Sweden, so I saw him just you know in December. I liked his game a lot. He's a he is a skill player. I like this move for Vancouver uh, a lot because if there's one thing they don't have. It's people coming yeah. into their organization in enough numbers with skill. Now they've got Brock Besser, who is you know their he's their prize prospect, and they can't get him here fast mm-hmm. enough. But I think what what we've seen is if you if you look at organizations, they need to sign or need to have four or five guys coming because that means two or three are going to make it. You know, to, right, to what right, you yeah, think yeah. they might be. It, you know, it just—it's not ever a hundred percent. So this is a this is a good move for Vancouver because they don't have enough skill coming in. Um, they've got some, but yeah. they don't have enough. So I like this. Uh, now Burroughs had a no trade, right? So he had to waive it. Had to waive right. it. Yeah. Um, Interesting. From the area yeah. around Ottawa, I believe. Um, so this would be going closer to home. He had a terrific run. One of the most reviled players. In the league, yeah. not in Vancouver. And like the, in Vancouver, they loved him. Really, in self- Vancouver, his teammates loved him. Yep. Uh, anywhere else, they couldn't stand him. Yeah, really and self-made so, guy. Really self-made. ECHL at one point. You well, know? There, yeah. you know when uh, Eddie was talking, Eddie Olchek was talking about Scott Darling playing in the Southern Pacific or Southern <laughs> Professional League. Yeah. That was kind of what Alex Burroughs was doing. Yeah. And uh, so this is. You know, he gets to continue his career. Um, I think Guy Boucher will like him in the style they play. They'll use him as a penalty killer, a third and fourth line guy. Um, but he can, he can still make some plays. You know, he, it's yeah. not like he doesn't have any game left at all. Right. Um, before we wrap this up, Paul Pocky Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thanks to Eddie Olchuk for coming on. Again, uh, subscribe, listen, review. Thank you, guys. I, I'm going to try not to be too leafy here, Ray. I'm really going to try. But on our Twitter feed, uh, if if Hansel is worth a first and a second, and if the Leafs do want to move Bozak, who has another year, and you just said no way could they get what what they got for Hansel, not a chance. But like, okay, just no way. Hansel six foot six. Yeah, which as and he's physical, and he is kind of mean. Okay. So the, you know, I mean, like he, they're different players. I mean, this is where mm-hmm. you know the the market gets set. People think, and you go, well, because player A got traded for this, that means player B must go for this or something similar, and mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. I don't, I don't ever sense there would be a bidding war for Tyler Bozak like there would be for Martin Hansel. Right. And, uh, you know, Montreal kicked the tires on him for yeah. sure. They did. Um, obviously, Minnesota did. Mm-hmm. I would assume there would have been a couple other teams as well. And so, 
you start calling one team to the other team to the other team and sure. keep going around the table and see what you can come up with. And so that, this was the price for Hansel. I just don't think it would be the same for Bozak. I have been impressed with Bozak. You always wondered, was he a product of playing with Phil and JVR and everything else? And I have been impressed with him this year. Um, you know, oh, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Yep, he's he's showed me that he's a good player. Maybe one of the best college free agents signing in recent yeah, years. Yeah, and yeah. for what they signed, you know, as a basically a free player, mm-hmm. Tyler Bozak has has been has more than paid his freight in Toronto, in my opinion. Was he the number one center they needed him to be? No, no. But that's not his fault. That's what they had. Yep. You know, I I, I think Tyler Bozak's a good player. I really do. I just think he's been miscast for a lot of years. Uh, lots more to talk about. We'll touch on it next week. Trade Center on Wednesday on TSN. Honestly, Ray, um, I, as a guy that devoured these trade shows, uh, whether it's Sportsnet, whether it's TSN, and, uh, and you know now down here in the U.S. we get Sportsnet because of the package. I they're not like they're as good as they used to be. They're just the the, the leagues change, the deadlines change. I don't know what you guys are going to do. Well, I, there's always something. There's always <laughs> trades. There's always. The problem is a whole flock of them now go, yeah. um, you know, because that first domino falls. And as Eddie mentioned, you don't want to be getting s- stuck at the table with you. You got your plate in front of you and no food. So their teams are nervous and they go ahead and they make a deal and then they make another deal. And then somebody else sees another player go, well, they better make the deal that they were thinking about. So it gets down to us. We'll be, I guarantee you, we got lots to analyze in the first few hours. Yeah, true. True. Whether there's any new ones will be the real story. How bad will O-Dog be during the coverage, Jeff O'Neill? Is what do you mean? How, like, like, how angry will yeah, he be? Yeah, how angry will he be? How... Oh, I don't listen. Yeah. I don't listen. I just turn off that ear. <laughs> it's just like, whatever. We're here. It's eight hours. We're here. That's it's it. A, he'll be fine. Yeah. He's a, you know, he, see, there's the thing about O. O's got a lot of bark. But when it comes down to it, he does his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then if he doesn't, I just don't listen. Right, right. You know, well, awesome. Can, yeah, that's it. It'll be, it'll be fine. I just, I would just always prefer if these teams would be a little more considerate and wait till deadline day. I know, right? Really, it used to be awesome, man. You talked five, six years ago, thirty trades. You know, thirty-five trades is just great. Um, I just yeah, post that, myself. Those days are gone. Yeah, I post myself up in the morning and just be have it on all day and just watch it. Well, you people know? do anyway. Yeah, yeah, true. It gets good ratings. It, it does pull in good ratings. But uh, I would say that uh, there's not going to be 30 trades this year. Well, Ray, it's too bad we can't meet up in L.A. for the Leafs Kings that you are calling on Friday night. I will be in Toronto. Well, you are exactly as far away as you can be. As a dirt, watching a dirt bike race. So, well, there you go. Pay the bills uh, yep. and uh, get yourself to a TV, at, and uh, you can watch it up. Yep, I will absolutely. Thanks, Ray, for the uh, coming on, and uh, we will catch you next week. Have fun in uh, Trade Center and uh, calling the Leafs games on Friday, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, buddy. You bet. You have a great week. We'll talk to you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, check it out, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks.